Uh oh, there he is. I forgot my music stand, so don't mind me. Aww. What's up, guys? You guys excited to be here tonight? I think the running theme we have from this evening is God is good. So if you're in this place and you're returning with us, you've been to Kyle before, thank you so much for coming back. We're so grateful for that. We're really honored every time you choose to come back. It makes me smile because you're all so wonderful. If this is your first time, welcome. I hope you feel at home. Something that we really value here at Chi Alpha is the homely environment. We want you to feel comfortable no matter what your background is. We want you to feel like you're with your best friends. And if you're not, you can become best friends with everyone. And that will become a party. And then you can win a a costume contest for dressing up as a singer slash bagel. So once you've done that, then you know it's legit. All right? Are we switching? Oh, that was quick. I didn't even last like 10 seconds. Can I take this off then? I took off my headgear. <laughs> Welcome home. We're so excited you guys are here. So seriously, we want this to be a place where you feel welcomed. So if this is your first time or if you've been here a couple of times and you haven't got the chance to meet me, I would love to meet you afterwards. I'll give you an awkward bro hug thing. I'll go like here, maybe a little back action, then we'll do a bro hug. It'll be fun for me. You'll feel uncomfortable. It'll be good for all of us. So to start things off tonight, I wanted to talk about a recent experience I had with prayer. So if you've been around for the last couple weeks, we've been in a series about prayer. And a few weeks ago, God did something crazy in my life in regards to prayer. So we had this conference, this seminar thing called Father Heart of God, and it was in Ames, Iowa. So I'd say a good like 20, 30 of us from Chi Alpha here went and hung out. And the conference was great, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is we got to sleep together in campground. And going into this weekend, I was so pumped. I'm like, yes, this will be good. I'm going to have so much of a blast. However, if I'm being honest with you, I was a little scared. My reason for fear was not a holy one by any stretch of the imagination. My reason for fear was because of a student we have here at UNI Chi Alpha. And he said it's okay for me to share his name. So there's a guy named Reagan. He's waving. And I love Reagan so much. But when I heard that Reagan was coming, I was struck by the fear of God. Not fear because Reagan's a scary guy. He actually gives wonderful hugs, so that's a good thing. However, Reagan has a quality that makes my life a little worse on the weekends when I sleep next to him. Reagan snores so stinking loud. (laughs) So... Reagan and I were freshmen together, so we've been doing these weekend retreats together for a few years now. The first year I remember came in, I was like, I didn't know anyone, so I got to sleep. I was like, oh, this will be great. It's fun. And then I'm just sitting there trying to sleep, and here, and I'm like, crap, no, I'm not going to sleep. So after that, I got a little smarter, though. I'm like, I can figure this out. So I would try to rush back to the dorm after this weekend event, say, I'm going to fall asleep before Reagan. And... I'm, this is awkward, but I'm going to say it. So it's kind of like being a nervous peer, you know, like for dudes who try to pee next to someone and someone else is there and you can't pee next to them. That's how I feel when I try to sleep and I know someone's coming in to snore. I'm nervous. I'm excited about it. And then it doesn't work. I can't sleep because I know he's coming. It's like a lion waiting to pounce. So that didn't work. I couldn't get to sleep fast enough. So then a couple years ago, I found the perfect solution. I found the way to stop having to wake up to Reagan snoring. I will get married so I can sleep in the married housing. So I got married. 
that's not the only reason I got married. I love Taylor so much. You guys all look at me like I killed a cat or something. Like, how dare you go against the sanctity that is marriage? Goodness. <laughs> However, that solution did work. I got to sleep in the married housing. So this is all fine and dandy until this weekend a couple weeks ago when I learned that Taylor and I would not get to sleep together because there's only two rooms, one for the guys, one for the girls. So my years of evasion, my years of hard work trying to duck, dip, dive, and dodge away from Reagan snoring was gone. I was back in the belly of the beast. <laughs> so we get in there, and we goof around a lot. Something else about me, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I get real weird when I just sleep in a room with a bunch of dudes. I get really goofy, and I wish I could stop it. But then all my stupid seven-year-old jokes start coming out, and I'm like, <laughs> the whole night, and I can't sleep. So I do that. And then as I'm sitting there talking to some of the guys, I just hear from the corner, because I, I always get the corner bed away from him. It grows. It's weird. It's not like a constant snore. Every second, my life gets a little worse because his snoring becomes slightly louder. And it grows until it's a roaring lion of snoring as I try to sleep. And we're sitting there laughing, joking, Reagan still. And I'm like, nope, there goes my chance of sleeping. And it's, I'm getting real sick of it because I'm a really light sleeper. Other people are starting to fall asleep, and I'm Marcus and I are just sitting there. This isn't going to work. And so I kid you not. I was kind of joking when I did this, but I like sit up on my bed and like start praying that he'll stop snoring. Instantly, he didn't snore the rest of the night. He was done. So if you're going to be here tonight and tell me that the power of prayer is not real, I say you are wrong because it stopped that man snoring. God is good. Another side story that I didn't plan on sharing but happened so the projector wasn't working. It wasn't turning on for the whole setup. We come in here, set this all up. That's not working. It's not working. I get really stressed. Marcus, one of the interns, grabs like 35 gears. Like, we're going to get this fixed. He keeps going. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Nothing's working. But then we come up here and we start praying. Instantly, it's on. And it worked. Again, Jesus is cool. Prayer is powerful. And Reagan's snoring is so loud. <laughs> Everyone in this room has something in their life that they want to change. Maybe it's your roommate that snores so loud and you want them to stop. Maybe you came in here and you have a family situation that you wish was different. Maybe you came in here and you're like, I need a spouse. I'm a freshman. I'm 18. If I'm not married by 19, the world will fall apart. <laughs> Maybe you came in here and you're like, God, I'm in my seventh year of school and I'm only like halfway through my gen eds. I pray that it does not take eight years to graduate. Or possibly you came in here and you have $5 in your bank account, and you're like, I want six McChickens, not five. How is this going to work? Plenty of us, when we walk into this room, we have things that we want to change. Maybe they're goofy like that. Maybe they're a little more serious. Maybe you're in this place tonight, and when you look at your life, you see no purpose. And you don't really know why you exist, and you're not sure what, what you're doing here. I promise you that as we all come in here with things we want to change, the way we can see this change happen is through prayer and is through our God. In America, we have this culture that if we want to see something change or improve, we think, I will just work harder. I will will it to happen. And there is some truth to this. I very much believe in working hard. I think it's really important to do your best. So for example, you can't just say, God, I pray this test to go well, so I'm not going to study. And then if you fail, blame God. No, that's your fault. Study. Get on Quizlet. It's really easy. 
However, I do think that this idea kind of fails to tell the whole truth. In an individualized culture like the one that we live in, it can become hard to fathom that we need to rely on something besides our own will and our own effort to get things done and to help our lives improve. However, the deity that is Jesus Christ will flip this status quo in your life because we can rely on him and we will see change in our lives. So we've been in this series called Hidden, and all that means is that we hide ourselves in God as we pray, and as we seek God, we become hidden behind him. I like to think of it as like a little kid who hides behind their parents because they want to have protection. Like for me, I didn't want to talk to adults, so I would hide behind my parents. They would do the talking, and I could just sit there. So what we're trying to say is as we pray and as we seek after God, we will hide in his presence and be comforted by him. The first week in this series, we talked about looking to things above and how we need to focus on God if we want to see things change and how things of this world, the horizontal things are distracting, but instead when we look vertical, things can start to change. Week two, which is last week, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, and it showed us an example on how we should pray and how we can look to God and what a powerful prayer life will look like. Tonight, we're going to dive into something a little different. We're going to dive into what it looks like to contend for change through prayer. So we will be reading out of the book of Acts tonight, and we'll be starting in verse 12. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there, Acts chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, two things. First thing, go over there after service. You can get a free Bible in their beautiful Bible, so you'll enjoy yourself as you read them. They feel leather. They feel nice. Second of all, it will be up there, so you'll have two options. And before the story that we're going to read tonight, so before this happens, so like in Acts 1 through 11, what we're seeing is the start of the church. So Jesus had died and come back to life and said, disciples, go make the church. Go make the body of Christ. And the church is growing. They're seeing thousands upon thousands of people come to know Jesus. Jesus' disciples are going from town to town. They're preaching the gospel, and they're sharing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are seeing people come to faith in him, left and right, and they're boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. And in this time, they were in the midst of Jewish Jewish rule, and the Jewish leaders did not like the rising up of this. They didn't like the Christian movement rising. They thought that if... Jesus rises, and if this all works and this church grows, this will supplant their power. They won't be in power anymore, like governmentally. They won't have power. They also won't have religious power. So they think that they have to squash this movement. This can't be the way things go. And as we pick up our story, we're going to see something in the climax of this persecution of the early church. So we'll be starting in verse 1 and reading until verse 11. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Peter and James, these are disciples of Jesus. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to pass over to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer, was, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought that he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. They went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod 
and from all the Jewish people were expecting. Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your power. I thank you that we have opportunities to come and talk to you and to be your friend and to be with you, Father. Pray that you speak tonight, and that is not what I have written, that are the words that I have to speak, God, but instead you. We love you so much. Amen. All right. So we're going to do something a little wild tonight. I've got one point. One thing for you to remember. This is it. So I want you to remember it. So when I come to you in five years after you're graduated, hopefully, and I say, what was my point on November 5th? You best remember it. Just kidding. You guys looked at me. I'm not a scary person. It's like I'm not going to bite or something like that. I'm certainly not going to snore. We're all good. Okay, so if you do get one thing tonight, I want it to be this. We must pray and obey to see God move. So simple. We're going to repeat it together because I want you to remember it. So we must pray and obey to see God move. We're going to do that one more time. We must pray and obey to see God move. Hoorah. Thank you. The crux of this idea comes actually from a quote from this guy named Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. He's written a lot of books, and he's an incredible author. And he says this in a lot of his books. He says, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. I think if we as a community take this to heart and say, we're going to pray like it depends on you, Father, but I'm going to work like it depends on me, We'll see this room filled up with people worshiping Jesus. We'll see the breakthrough in your life, and I promise you the world will be forever changed. So one more time. We must pray and obey to see God move. As we see from the story we read, Peter was in quite a precarious position. His friend James was just killed for preaching the story of Jesus, and now he was put in prison for doing the same. I'm gonna be honest. John, who was up here earlier, who was preaching, he was preaching hard. If he was doing that and then someone came in and said, you out, I'm taking you to prison. I'm, no, excuse me, I'm going to kill you. That's what they did to him. I, as his friend, would be like, okay, maybe I won't preach as, little, as loud. I'll, like, go away from him. Maybe that'll help. But Peter says, nope, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. And he's put in prison. So he probably was a little scared as he got arrested. He was probably a little, about what, little worried about what the future held. He knew that he was being used mightily to change the world for Jesus, but now he was put in prison. In the middle of this deep persecution, Peter needed a radical move of God to help him escape the situation. The solution to his life struggles, it was simple. He needed to pray. He needed the world around him to pray. As he and the church prayed for him, God moved. An angel of the Lord came, broke the chains off of his life, and helped him escape prison. While we are in chains, while we are like Peter and in chains from the world around us and things look so bleak, we can have confidence because if we pray, God will hear us. First John chapter 5, verse 14 says that, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when we are looking for change in our personal situations, in our personal lives, we need to pray to God and contend for change. We have to contend in prayer if we want to see God change our situations. In my life, one thing that I've had to really contend for and pray a lot about was the mission trip. So as you guys may have heard about, we're going on a mission trip to Trinidad. We've done that the last couple years. In order to do that, we have to raise some cash. 
because we can't just float there, unfortunately. We could pray. Maybe that would work, but I don't know if that would. We'll get to the second half of the sermon. I say you got to do something about it. So we have to raise money. We have to pay for the airfare. And the first year that Taylor and I had to do it, we were excited. We sent out a couple letters, and wah, wah, no cash came in. I'm like, oh, well, this stinks. Now what? I'm like, okay. Taylor and I sit there. We wait a little bit. Again, no money comes in. So we say, fine. We'll pray and fast until we get our trip paid for. I kid you not, 10 days later, trip's covered. We've got all the money we need to go to Trinidad because God is good. Because as we contend for and pray, God will change our situations. God can move quickly and powerfully if you trust him and commit to contending for change in your life. You might be asking if God had the finances ready when we, before we prayed. And the answer would be yes. The people who gave to us probably had the money before and after. It probably didn't change. Like us praying didn't make their bank account suddenly fill up. If so, that'd be cool. I'd be trying that more often. So why didn't God just have those people send us the money right away? And I think the reason that God asks us to contend for change in our lives because he wants us to know that it's not on our will. That Taylor and I were not good enough to get the money on our own. We couldn't write a cool enough letter, and I came in feeling pretty good. I'm like, you know what? In middle school, I sold the most candy bars. I was the king of fundraising. A little side note, my mom did all the work, and I think her and my dad bought like half of them, but I felt like a hot shot. I'm like, I'm about to raise this money for Trinidad. Two weeks later, my pride was in the pooper, and I was like, I'm not going to raise this money for Trinidad. So God had to show me that it wasn't me who raised the money, but instead it was him so maybe you've been, something in your life is not going the way you want it to, and you're like, God, why isn't this better? Why am I failing every class? You probably should do your homework, but that's a side note. God, why aren't I finding the things I want? Why is my family not coming to know you? I think it's because God is saying, my son, my daughter, I need you to pray. I need you to ask me. It says, ask and it will be given, not just it will be given. Sometimes God requires us to do something, to take a step of faith and say, I'm going to pray so we can see that he is the good one. So just like Peter, we need prayer to see the chains broken off our lives. Peter was not strong enough to break these chains by himself. He needed the help of God to change the situation, and that's just like you guys. So I know there are a lot of us in this room who have struggles. Maybe you have a physical illness. Maybe you feel like you're alone in this world. Maybe you struggle with anxiety. Maybe your relationship with your family is not going the way you want. The list goes on and on and on of things that we want to see change in our lives. And I think in the middle of our American culture that says that we can fix it all, God is trying to raise up a generation that relies solely on him. If you are in the middle of a storm and you need God to move in some area in your life, I challenge you to start praying about it every day, throughout the whole day. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, to pray without ceasing. And again in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says to continue steadfastly in prayer. What does that word steadfast mean? It means to keep doing it over and over and over again. It's not like God is going to, you pray once and then God says, okay, here you go. Because in my past when I've done that, I'm like, was that really God or is that me? Sometimes God's going to ask you to keep praying over and over and over again. 
And I think we need a culture that doesn't just wake up in the morning and say, God, I love you. Here's my prayer. Here's my needs. Let's go. He wants a culture that says every day, all day, I'm thinking about you, King Jesus. All day, every day, I'm contending for my friends. I'm praying for my situations to change. We need to be in constant prayer. Our life needs to be a life defined by prayer of constant contention for Jesus to come on this earth. What prayer is, is prayer is trying to bring heaven down to earth. The only way that we can change situations in our life is through prayer. When you look at your life and you see things that don't line up with the will of God, God is calling you to pray about it. It is not God's will for sickness and disease to rampage this world. It is not God's will for human trafficking to ramage, to go all across this world. That is not the will of God. The will of God is not for you to struggle with anxiety and depression. God loves you more than that. He is calling us to pray. Yes, there are things that we can't control. Things like anxiety, obviously, have so much behind it. There's chemical imbalances. There's things that are so much struggle. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. We should pray in, in conjunction with getting actual help and getting help from it. And that together, sometimes God can use to change things. God does not want little girls trafficked and sold into sex slavery. Are our hearts broken enough for the things that are breaking the world around us? So what we need to do is say, that is not right. That is not the will of God, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to contend for that. Verse 5 of Acts 12 says that, we are, that there was earnest prayer for him. Not one prayer and they forgot about it, but instead earnest prayer, constant prayer. If you want to see change in your life, we must be earnest in prayer. But we don't just pray to change our own lives in the situations around us. We must also be praying for the world. Like I said, praying for world hunger praying for things in the world. We have to be doing that. We have to pray for God to move globally. We must contend in prayer if we want to change the world. Not only did Peter pray for his own escape, but as we see in verse 5, earnest prayer was, for him was made to, the, to God by the church. The church was praying for him. Everyone was praying for him. Later on in verse 12, we see that many were gathered together and praying. In order to see God move in Peter's life, the whole church rallied behind him. Some of you may know this, but Pastor Daniel, who's our lead pastor, he's sick today. That's why he's not here. He's my older brother, so he looks similar to me. If you thought we're the same person, we are not. He is older. He is, I could either say less handsome and look like a jerk or say more handsome and lie. I'm just kidding. That's came across. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, so Daniel and Emily have a daughter named Jane. She is the cutest girl in the world, and I love her to pieces. But before Jane was born, there was a ton of prayer that went into that. Long story short, Emily had a lot of struggles with trying to get pregnant. And we prayed a ton for her to get pregnant. Our family just really surrounded them in prayer. I remember so clearly we were on a family vacation. And Daniel and Emily were in the room. I know they're, they're crying. And I asked Daniel to share this. And he said, it's okay. And my family just sat outside the room and prayed and prayed and prayed. My mom weeping for them and contending for them to be able to have a baby. As we're in this season, Emily got pregnant, and we were so excited. And we're like, God, thank you for answering our prayers. However, our excitement was slightly short-lived because of about a week later, we realized that the baby wasn't going to make it. However, something that I love and honor my brother and Emily for is they did not give up. They did not say, okay, God is done. My family didn't say, God is done. 
we said we serve a God that is bigger than the trials and the darkness of this world, so we are all going to pray. So we got back on our knees and prayed. And this was a little bit of a longer season. It took a while. What, about a year and nine months ago? Ick. <laughs> we found out we are having a niece. I remember I had a prayer calendar that I kept up in my office, and I had it every other day. I pray for a miracle. I just put D slash E, miracle. I know my mom prayed so much, and I know Taylor prayed so much. Taylor's my wife. I know people in this community that wrapped around them and prayed. It was us together, coming together to pray for a change in someone else's life. Led to a daughter of Jesus being born. Led to Jane, who if you've met her, she is the sweetest girl in the world. And I am very, very convinced she's going to change the world. And that people all across the globe are going to come to know Jesus because of her. And that's because we committed to prayer. That's because we said, Emily not getting pregnant is not in the will of God. That is not what God wants for this situation, so we are going to pray. And God moved. If we want to see change in the world around us, we need to contend for things in prayer. That means praying for our country, praying to see our leaders start running after Jesus. Instead of arguing about politics on Facebook, how about we pray? We should be praying for the world to come to know Jesus. Let's commit to praying for starving children around the world and praying for world hunger to end in our lifetime. Let's pray for people around the globe who do not know the name of Jesus. One thing that is very evident from this is that we need to come and pray and pray together. For Jane to be born, it wasn't just Daniel and Emily praying, but it was instead this community and my family coming together and praying together. That's why we do things like morning prayer. Every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. in CAC 100, 101, 108, we come together and pray. And the reason we do that is because we need, to be, we need to have each other together. We come and pray before service at 7 o'clock. Right up here, we sit around and pray. And that's when the projector worked. That's when we started praying together. I think sometimes in our culture, we pray with one arm tied behind our backs because we're doing it by ourselves. And we're trying to fight against the enemy by ourselves. But instead, God wants to use both hands. He wants us to come together. If you imagine a basketball team playing one versus five, that's not going to work. They're not going to win. But instead, if it's five on five, especially if you've got LeBron James, you're going to win the game. We as a community, that's why we do this. That's why we come and pray together. It's because we can't pray with one arm behind our backs. We need to commit to coming together and praying as a family. You cannot fight solo. You need to fight together as a team. One area where I feel like we really need to start contending for is our campus. There are over 10,000 students on this campus, and many of them do not know the name of Jesus. This should break our hearts and drive us to prayer. What if we as a community committed to praying for the lost on our campus every day? The way that Peter was broken out of prison was prayer. If we want to see 10,000 students on this campus broken out of prison and on their knees worshiping Jesus Christ, we need to commit to praying for them. I know that I personally do not pray enough for the lost in this campus. As writing this sermon, God convicted me so much and said, Derek, is your heart broken enough for the things that break my heart? Are you broken enough for the students in your dorms, in your classrooms, that if they died right now, they would go to hell? That should change us. It should drive us 
to our knees and say, God, I'm going to pray and pray and contend for my friends because I want them to know the name of Jesus. We must be a community that not only comes together and focuses on what's best for us and focuses on Chi Alpha and focuses on building this because I love you all and I love this so much, but we must be a community that comes together, gets on our knees and says, King Jesus, please save my friends. King Jesus, please save my classmates. If we commit to doing that, God will flip this campus upside down. I'm convinced that a revival is supposed to break out. Revival is a fancy word that means a lot of people come to know Jesus. I'm convinced that that's supposed to happen through this campus. I'm convinced that these students are supposed to fill this room up and say, King Jesus, come and take hold, and we're going to change the world because of what happens at the University of Northern Iowa. And that will not happen until we commit to praying for the lost. There's a Chi Alpha in North Dakota, and they saw this revival happen on their campus. They were a group actually around our size. They were around 100 students. And they had some student leaders come up who said, we want more. So they committed. They went to the church and prayed overnight all the time. They'd get the keys, they'd brew some coffee, and they'd stay up all night praying. And they would pray, and they would pray. Their community in one semester grew from a group of our size 100 to 300 students, one semester. The peak of that campus was around six to 800 students. They didn't have any fancy marketing ad. If you know their pastor, their pastor is not someone who is showboaty at all. He's a very old man who was a farmer who just says, hello, I love you all. So it's not that they did anything so incredible, they prayed. I so badly want to see that happen on this campus. I so badly want to see this room filled up, and not for our egos, not so it feels like a more cool environment, but every empty seat. I want you to look around this place. There's 800 seats in here. Every empty seat represents someone who doesn't know Jesus on this campus. And I know I'm passionate about this, and I know I'm direct about this, but it's because if we don't do anything about it, who will? However, if we just stay in our prayer closets and never go out to talk to the lost about Jesus, our impact will be greatly diminished. So going back to the story of Peter in prison, it's not the angel came and took the prison away, so, G so Peter was out of prison. He didn't just make it all disappear. Instead, what the angel did is he came and broke the chains, and he said, Peter, get up and follow me. So breaking the chains was the miracle. That's what we're praying for, correct? We're praying for the chains to be broken. However, if Peter wouldn't have been obedient and got up and trusted God and walked out, then it would have been all for naught. So not only... Does God require us to pray? He requires us to obey. Because when we pray and when we obey, God is going to move. Romans 10 verse 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? Not only do we need to be in prayer for change, but we also must be the change. 
In most cases, our campus won't come to know Jesus if we don't go tell them. Yes, we'll pray and some miraculous things will happen and God can move outside of us. But if we combine prayer and intercession with action, that's when the gates of hell are stormed because we are required to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. I have two challenges for us with this. Let's commit to being a group that prays. We are going to pray for our campus. We're going to pray for our classmates. But in conjunction with that, let's be the most outward-focused group on campus. Let's commit to telling our friends about Jesus. Let's not just pray about our friends every day and never have a conversation with them, but instead, let's pray for them and then go talk to them. Say, hi, how are you? My name is Derek. The thing that's beautiful about college is you have so many people. You're in a classroom, surrounded by people. You're in a dorm, surrounded by people. And something that I'm learning as I have graduated from college is you don't really have another situation like that afterwards. The closest I come to seeing people who don't know Jesus are in two places. I go to the gym, and I see people who don't know Jesus, and I go to Starbucks slash any other coffee shop, and I go there a lot. It's pretty bad that I know my order, but that's a separate issue. So through that, it's not like I'm interacting with a lot of non-believers, specifically for someone like me who works with you guys a lot. It's not like I work in a normal workplace. But even in a workplace, you have a job to do, you have something to do, you don't have as much time. But you have a beautiful opportunity to be surrounded by people who don't know the name of Jesus. And please do not like be like me and fail to take the best advantage of it. I'll be honest, you guys, I didn't do a great job of this in college. I was too focused on other things, and I was too scared. So I didn't talk to my friends about Jesus. I didn't pray for them enough either. And because of that, my impact was greatly diminished. The reason I tell you guys to do this is not to be hip hypocritical and say, do what I did not do. But I tell you this because the number one regret I have in my life is that I didn't take advantage of being surrounded by 50 to 70 students in a classroom. That's where I'm coming from is I did not take advantage of the opportunity. I want you to because I don't want you to stay awake at night thinking about the students who are dying and possibly going to hell because you didn't share the love of God with them. I know that sounds dramatic, but I want to be dramatic because I want us to understand the gravity of what we are do dealing with. God will move, I promise you, but he is asking us to pray and to obey. So maybe you walked into this room tonight, and if you're honest, you need to see some change in your life. Maybe you've been trying to follow Jesus, but you can't seem to break through a wall. You feel like there's something between you, and you just can't get through. There's something that you feel like is blocking you from intimacy with Jesus. You try to read your Bible, and it doesn't work. You don't get anything from it. Maybe you look around in this room, and you see all these people during worship running after God, hands up, praising, and you're like, why can't that be me? However, I do, I'll promise you that if you commit to bathing every day in prayer and praying to God all day, and being steadfast in prayer and asking him for more, he will come through. It may not be your timing, but it will be in his timing. He will come through in your life. It may take time. For example, projector wasn't working. I was praying about it earlier. John and I were like laying hands on the projector, praying for it to get fixed. But God said, no, I want to do something cooler than that. This isn't just about you and John. Instead, when 30 of us came together and prayed, then it worked because 30 people got impacted, not just John and I. So I'm glad God waited made me a little stressed, but that's besides the issue. 
So there could be something in your life, like your finances, your future, your family situation, maybe a struggle with anxiety or depression or some other area that you've been really struggling with. God is calling you to trust in him and pray to him every day. We can't pray once and give up. We have to continually pray and contend for God to move. Sometimes God requires us to trust him first and to give our situations to him before he will come through. Maybe God is asking you to give some of your money away before he can bless you with more finances. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if you give, you'll get rich because that could get me in trouble when you don't get rich, and I don't want to do that. But I do promise you that God will provide, just like he did for our missions trip. The reason we go to him with our issues and the reason we can bring all this stuff to God, because you might be sitting in here, maybe you don't know Jesus. You don't have a deep relationship with him. You're saying, why would I come and pray and talk to this guy? The reason is actually quite simple. It's because he is good. We simply are not smart enough or good enough to fix everything. We need a savior. Boy, am I glad that I'm not in charge of fixing everything in my life because I'm really bad at fixing stuff. For example, I couldn't fix a projector. Whenever anything breaks in my house, I call Avery and ask him to fix it because I can't do it. And thankfully for the rest of my life, I can go to God and he'll fix it because I'm not good enough to run my life. I don't know enough. So we need God. We need a king. I refer to Jesus quite a bit as a king because a king reigns, and in a kingdom, you trust the king. The king makes the decision, we obey. In a democracy, we vote about it. We all vote, we all have an opinion. But we don't live in a democracy, we live in a theocracy. We live in a, an establishment that says, I'm gonna just going to go to the king. I'm going to trust him, I'm going to obey. However, amongst this, amongst this kingship, we do serve a God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He sent his son to create a connection between him and us. That way, we can pray to him. So I like to think of it like this. Imagine I'm here and go like a billion miles that way is God. And in between us is like a big canyon, a big, black, empty canyon full of my mistakes and my sin. I should be very separated from God. However, God loves us enough that as he's over there, supposed to be separated from us. He says, I love you too much to be separated from you. I'm going to send something to build a bridge, to bridge the gap. So he sent his son, King Jesus, to come and die for our sins and to come give his everything for you and for I to stand in the middle with his arms wide, stretched for us to walk through to get connected to God. If the worst team would come up. So because of Jesus standing in the gap and spreading his arms wide, we cannot be separated from God. And now we have the opportunity to see change in our lives. We can see things change through prayer because God is so good. We have the most self-sacrificing king in the history of the planet, and because of that, we can see change. As we see with the story of Peter, our walk with Jesus can't simply just be about us. We cannot just pray for our own needs. It wasn't just Peter praying for him to be broken out of jail, but instead it was the church, the people of God praying for him. We need to be a people that prays and contends for the world around us. And when God does move, when he breaks chains, sometimes it might require some action out of us. We must pray and we must obey. We must be in prayer for our country, for our world, and for our campus. The world desperately needs the intervention and love of King Jesus. 
They need a leader to bow to. They need a savior to love them and to rescue them from themselves. They need a king to take control. They need a Jesus. They need a friend to say, I love you no matter your flaws. If you came in here tonight and you thought, I can't pray, I can't talk to God because I'm not good enough. The beautiful thing about the story of King Jesus is he sees that we are not good enough and he says, guess what? I am good enough. I will fill the gap. I will be what brings you close to God. I am the reason we can pray and we can see mountains moved because God is so good. He is so loving. He's so self-sacrificing that he will do whatever it takes to get to you. What he's asking of you and asking of us as a community is to say, we're going to pray. We're going to get on our knees and say, God, take control of this campus. Take control of my life. Students all across our campus need hope. If you're in here and you follow Jesus, you have hope. You have something that the world desperately needs. Life is not worth living if we don't have hope. Thousands upon thousands of students have no hope. But if you're in here and you call Jesus King, you have the answer. The least we can do is say, King Jesus, I'm going to get on my knees and pray to you and ask for you to come and move in their lives. Because as we pray and as we obey, God moves. If you'd all stand with me. If we commit to praying every day for our friends and for God to move in our lives and for God to change the atmosphere of the University of Northern Iowa, I promise you he will move. If we do this, we will see God do the impossible. We will see a revival on our campus. I'll be honest with you guys. Outside of just serving Jesus, my number one desire in life is to see this room filled with students following Jesus. That's the center of everything I do outside of just serving and being with God. It's the most important thing to me. And that's not because I'm special. It's not because of anything I did. It's because of who God is and how good he is. And I'm going to sit here today and I'm going to say, God, I'm sorry. I have not committed to praying about that enough. I'll do stuff for that, but I'm not praying. I'm not doing the prayer part. I struggle with that. And I want us to be a community that commits to say, I'm going to pray and I'm going to obey. If you are like me and you want to see this room filled, we have to commit to going all in. I'm committing to do whatever it takes to see this dream come true. Will you join me? Will you commit to praying for our campus and praying for breakthrough in, your, in our lives? So first of all, if you're here tonight and you hear all about this thing and you don't actually follow Jesus and you're one of the people that we are calling lost or not in relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that's okay. I love you. God loves you. He doesn't care how much mistakes and how many sins you've committed right before you came in here. He still wants to be with you. He still loves you. However, I am very convinced that there's no time to waste. And that is you tonight, and you do not have a relationship with King Jesus. I think tonight is the night to change that, to say, I'm going to commit to going all in for Christ. I'm going to give my life to King Jesus. So maybe you once followed him and you walked away, or maybe this will be the decision for the very first time. Tonight is your night. If you need true healing and want to go all in for Jesus, I want you to make that decision right here, right now. 
So if you would all close your eyes and bow your heads so no one's looking around, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You are good enough. You are wonderful enough that I'm going to follow you. If that is you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. No one's going to look around. It's not for show, but instead we will raise our hand as a, as a signal to God saying, I'm in. Okay? One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you if that's okay. King Jesus, I pray for my new family, my new brothers and sisters and you. I pray that you move in their lives and that you do the impossible, that you have saved us. I thank you. I thank you for giving us an opportunity to spend eternity with you. I pray that you enter into the lives of the people who raise their hand, God, and that you take control and that they give you the keys to the kingdom and they let you drive. Father, thank you for what you've done. We love you so much. Amen. So the second thing we're going to do tonight is a little different. If you've been around Chi Alpha for a little bit, you know what we usually do is I'll ask another question, and then we'll worship. We'll sing a song to Jesus, and that's wonderful. But as I prayed for this message, I felt like God was calling us to do something a little different. So tonight's message is all about praying and obeying, praying for people and doing something about it. So I think the best way to respond to this would be prayer. So this is a little goofy, and if, it, if you feel uncomfortable, I am sorry. We don't mean to do that, but I just really sense that this is what God wanted for tonight, so don't feel obligated. But what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next few minutes in the altar, which we just mean up here at the front of the stage, is open. And so if you want to commit to praying for your campus, praying for change in your life, if you want to see breakthrough happen, what I want you to do is I want you to come up front, I want you to pray. Whether that means getting on your knees, sitting down, standing, I don't care about the logistics. But I want us to do something. I feel like sometimes something I struggle with is I get really excited about an idea, I get pumped up, and then I don't do anything about it. So I wanted to create the opportunity for us to do something about it, for us to pray and obey. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you want to commit to this, I want you to come up forward. And the band's just going to play softly behind me, and we're going to pray for a couple minutes. And then we'll be done. It's not an hour-long commitment. We'll just pray for a little bit together, and then we'll be done, okay? King Jesus, thank you for who you are. Father, I pray for a move of God. I pray for a move of you on this campus. I pray for students all across this campus to come to you. Father, I pray for you to come and reign on this campus. I pray for every individual student who's on this campus who doesn't know you, King Jesus. I pray for the thousands upon thousands of students who do not know your name, who have no hope, who have no reason to live, they feel like. I pray for the students who struggle with anxiety. I pray for the students who struggle with depression, who feel like there's no reason to live. God, I pray for those students to come and find their hope in you, to find a reason to live and to find a purpose on this world, Jesus. You are the reason your love, your grace is so powerful. Father, I pray that the thousands of students will come to know you, Jesus. I pray for the students here at the altar. I pray that this is not a one-time event, but instead this is a movement. 
God, I pray that you show up and that you change the atmosphere in our community. You change what we believe, God, and you make us a community that commits to praying for the lost on this campus, God, and that tonight starts something so powerful. I pray for the atmosphere to shift, for heaven to come down to earth tonight, Father, and as we contend in prayer and say, I'm going to pray for my friends that you will move. I pray for you to move, Father. We love you so much. ask our staff team to please go to the sides and if there's something in your life that is a stronghold or a chain in your life and you came in here with a heaviness over your life and you came in with you need God to move that you've been trying everything on your own and nothing is working and you you need God to move you need to contend sometimes it requires us like I said to pray together to come together. The Bible is very clear where two or more are gathered. He is with us. So if that's you in this place, I want you to go and go and pray with someone. There's people across the sides that if you just feel comfortable, you can go pray with them and pray with someone. If there's some area in your life that you feel like you need prayer for, don't feel uncomfortable. They would love to pray for you. They would be so glad to. So I just wanted to open that up if you would.
Something that we believe in here at Chi Alpha is that God can speak through more people than just me. Thank the Lord, that is true. And Jacob feels like that God has spoke something to him, and so he just wanted to share it with you all. Yeah, so just just like it's been said all night, um, I'm just really sensing this heaviness in this room tonight, and that there's just a lot of pain, there's a lot of sadness, and like there's a lot of depression in here. And I would, the whole theme of prayer would not be doing my job as a follower of Christ, wanting to share that love if I didn't be obedient to what I felt God was wanting me to, to say. I just feel right now that there's there's someone in this room who's been struggling with suicide. I know those feelings. I've been there. I'm just feeling right now that God's saying that he loves you, that he sees you, that you may feel alone, you may feel broken, you may feel like you've been pushed to the edge of this cliff and that you can't fight anymore, that you're about to fall off. I just feel like God's wanting you to know that he's there, that it's okay, that you don't have to fight this by yourself. And that you know what? If you get pushed off the edge, that's not the end because God's right there underneath to catch you. And so I just feel really strongly that there's someone in here who's struggling with that, who's thinking about ending things, that they don't know if, if they should go anymore. And I just, I just wanna pray for you, whoever that is. So if that's you, and if it's more than one of you, I feel like that might be it too. Whoever it is, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray with you. Yes, thank you, Jacob. So yes, if that is you here in this place and you're struggling with those things, please come seek me out. Seek out Jacob. Seek out one of our staff members. We would love to pray for you. I'm gonna pray over that right now. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for being a good king that values our life, that values us, and that every person in this room has a hope. Everyone in this room has a destiny. Everyone in this room has a purpose and that you want to use every person who's in this room to change the world and that every person in here is needed for the kingdom and that you have a plan, whether this a person walked in and had no relationship with you or they've been following you their entire lives, you have a plan for them and that is to change the globe. We thank you for that. We thank you for your love and for your grace. Amen. So we're going to sing that song one more time together. Sorry for going a little later than usual. If you need to leave, obviously you're free to go, but we just really wanted to sit with Jesus tonight. So thank you guys so much. We love you. We're going to sing this together. You can stay down. You can stand up. It's completely up to you. Just let's just worship God together.